join me in prayer now as we begin um, our message here this morning. Father, as my brother prayed, um, I just echo that, Lord. It's, I, don't, I don't care to preach my own wisdom because I have none to offer. My heart is to preach your word. And Lord, it's to preach your son. To preach Christ and him crucified. So I thank you, Father, for this opportunity, Lord, to serve, to um, once again proclaim Christ. Because at the end, he's the only hope for mankind. He's the only hope we have as your children. He's the only one that we hold on to. And he's the only one that we want to be reminded of this morning. So I pray that you would work in the hearts of every person here this morning, in your children, as well as in those that don't know you, and those that have only been watching from a distance, skeptical, however, wherever they may find themselves. Lord, I pray that today they would come to know the living Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And I know that this can only be done um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, for salvation belongs to you and you alone. And so may you do that work that only belongs to you. For the sake of Christ and His glory, in whose name we pray. Amen. I've titled, just a force of habit, I don't have my microphone this morning, so um, I've titled this message, Good News for a New Year. Good News for a New Year. And the reason I've titled that is because, as many of you know, you watch the headlines, you're on your phone, right? If you get headlines like I do, all you're recently seeing is everything about Omicron. Right, everything that is the new variant, everything is spiking, everything is going up significantly, right? You're very single digits, and the next thing you know, you read the headlines, and every day it's increasing, increasing. Some of you have even gone down 152nd, and you're seeing these lines now in front of the Metro Zoo, Miami Zoo now, and just lines, Tropical Park increasing because people are scared, people are nervous. This is the reality of where we live. Right, and the question, and you, and you hear, oh, vaccination, will my job require vaccination? Will they mandate it? The question of our time, I've said it before, is to be vaxxed or unvaxxed. Right, that's the question that perturbs society today. And that has divided in many ways the people. But that's not the only thing. We're aware of that. Okay, I know that here in two years, we're going to be going through presidential elections again. Yep, it's right around the corner. Um, going through that whole circus of elections and people name calling and and that will be consuming the headlines and maybe COVID won't be so high on the list once that comes along and that but I'm sure it will because of course um, everyone needs to make their mark real estate prices just look around rent is higher than the actual <laughs> it's more expensive to rent this is the times that we live in. Rent has just skyrocketed. People leaving other states, coming to South Florida, coming to Florida in general, right? And here we are dealing with elevated real estate prices. If you want to sell your house, great. You might make good money. But the problem is, what are you going to buy? And now you find yourself in that, um, in that situation, right? Job security. There's so many things. Many of us scared, you know, mandates. Uh, well, will my job close? We don't know how, if you're in the supply chain uh, business or industry, you might find yourself, your company might be a little bit more squeezed, right? Because now you don't know what's happening. Ships, container ships off the, co- off the West Coast waiting, right? We don't know what kind of products we're going to get or when we're going to get them. I mean, this is the reality of businesses today. Small businesses getting squeezed, Families and churches, we've already gone over this, being divided. Now, of course, 
we're not the only ones. Kids, you're, the sa- you're in the same boat. Wondering college applications. Where am I going to apply for college? Will the school accept me? Will the school that I want to get into accept me? Testing. I mean, all these things affect us. And as we're looking to 2022, can we expect any different than 2021 or 2020? Many of you would probably be, if you've become cynical, like, eh, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be the same show, all over again, just a different year, same show, and that's where we find ourselves. And and we're about we're just two years shy of having to deal with this whole epidemic. And our text this morning deals particularly with this, because even as I was mentioning some of these things. The anxiety of trying to sell a business, trying to make ends meet, trying to figure out the future. We grow anxious. We become anxious. And our text this morning is talking about that. All of us have sin in common. I don't think any of you would argue with me on that level. But there's another thing that we have in common, and that's anxiety. We all grow anxious at some level, at some point. ADA says that general anxiety disorder, you're looking about 6.8 million adults deal with this. And when it comes to general anxiety disorder, you're looking at about, it, it typically tends to affect women more than men. Okay? Then you have social anxiety disorder. That's a little bit more than double. Right? You're, you're dealing almost with like 15 million people now having to deal with social anxiety disorder. And now kids... I'm telling you because my wife works in this. Kids, psychologists look to label kids early on. Little Susie, Johnny, Pablo, however you name them. They're, they're, they're anxious. They have test anxiety. All, they're just anxious all the time. You know, all of us deal with this. It's inescapable. It's inescapable. We're going to see that here this morning. And, and so we know that anxiety is not a new phenomenon. If you lived on this side of heaven for any amount of time you know that this is not new Luke writes it in his gospel in chapter 12 and Matthew in chapter 6 which we're going to be talking about here this morning that's our text this morning it's a familiar passage for many of us but Jesus addresses this issue of anxiety that we have all experienced in our lives and by his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit we get to look with anticipation to this new year despite whatever might be over the edge, what might be lurking around the corner that we are not aware of, and might be causing this anxiety to build up in us, we can trust the one that holds us. And that is the point here this morning. So my outline is, number one, anxiety is, is unavoidable. Anxiety is unavoidable. Number two, anxiety is overcome by looking beyond the temporal, our brother was preaching last week and mentioned this to this effect, right? So kind of piggyback, <clears throat> and he didn't know I was going to be preaching on this, but piggybacking on that is we have to look beyond the temporal. And anxiety, number three, is overcome by fixing our minds and our hearts on the character of our Father. Okay? So anxiety is unavoidable. Anxiety is overcome by looking beyond the temporal. And number three, anxiety is overcome by fixing our minds and our hearts on the character of our Heavenly Father. Okay? So, 
And before I get into the text here this morning, which is going to be Matthew 6, we need to make an interesting observation. This text in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, comes right after Jesus was talking, right? Addressing the importance of laying up your treasures in heaven. Laying up your treasures in heaven. And, and right after that, he says something. He says, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus has just been speaking to that effect, and now he comes in with this text that we're going to read here this morning in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And this is how the text reads. If you have your Bibles, please open up or your electronic devices so you can follow along. Matthew six twenty-five through 34. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown, out, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this is the reading of God's Word. This text, I know, is very familiar to many of us. We've heard it many times. We've probably heard many sermons, and perhaps what I have to share this morning is nothing new to you. I get that. But we have to be reminded in verse 25, immediately we are struck with something very important. And it's the fact that anxiety is unavoidable. Anxiety is unavoidable. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will, what, um, what you will each eat or drink or about your body and what you will put on. See, the APA defines it. And when I talk about the APA, I'm talking about the American Psychological Association. They define anxiety in these terms. It is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worry thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. This is what we're talking about when we say anxiety. At least when the APA in psychological or counseling, and they're talking about anxiety, this is what they have in mind. It is a feeling, uh, it is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worry thoughts, and even physical changes such as that of blood pressure. All of us have had feelings of, of worry. 
All of us have, been, have had worrisome thoughts. All of us have gone into that loop or you're driving and you just can't escape this. You wake up, it's the same thing. You go to sleep and this is on your mind. Sometimes you even wake up restless during the middle of the night, whether it's me- uh, medical, family, whatever, work. It's there. It keeps us up sometimes. Now stress. You might say, well, what's the, what's the difference between stress and anxiety? Are they one and the same? Clinically, stress is a response to some external situation. And anxiety is a response to that stress. Does that make sense? So what you're seeing is that there might be something outside going on that's causing you to stress. And that stress therefore leads to you to be anxious. And this anxiety now becomes internal. Now it gets your gears grinding. Now your mind is going around and thinking, and, and you just can't get out of that loop. We consider Paul. Paul was anxious in Philippians 2, where he's saying, and you would consider Paul a theological giant, right? I mean, this guy was man of faith. I mean, this guy knew what he was talking about, wrote Romans. I mean, after all, I mean, who, why would a man like this be, be anxious about anything? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. He himself, writing, says, I am the more eager, speaking of Epaphroditus, he says, I am the more eager to send him, Epaphroditus, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him and that I may be less anxious. This was Paul. And of course, you can think of our Lord and Savior, the Lord in the garden. You just imagine the amount of anxiety he had at that moment. Being in the garden, knowing what's, what was awaiting him. The manner of death that many times before that the Pharisees tried to capture and he would slip out because his time had not come. But now the time had come at that moment. That was our Lord and Savior. See, oftentimes, and I want you to understand this, it's very important. Our misunderstanding or our forgetting of Scripture leads us to unbiblical frustrations and worry. I'll repeat that. Oftentimes, our misunderstanding and or forgetting Scripture, and when I say Scripture, I'm referring to truth, leads us to unbiblical frustrations and worry. When you have that gospel amnesia, as Paul Tripp would say, when you start forgetting the truth of Scripture, and you let the thoughts of worry and your circumstances take over, then you find yourself frustrated. Now you find yourself in this loop of anxiety. But if you just simply take a step back and you're like, well, why am I in this, in this wheel, like in that hamster going around in circles? You quickly find out that you can point it back that at some point you have let go of truth. You have ceased to anchor, anchor yourself and anchor your soul in truth. And Jesus acknowledges this reality. And notice that He knows that we're going to be anxious. That's why He says, do not. The very words, do not, assumes that you already are. It assumes that you already are anxious. That's why He's telling you, do not be. Do not be. He knows that we live in a broken world. And we're coming to Him as what? Broken people. We're coming to Him as broken people. Children, yes, saved by His grace, but we're coming to Him broken. 
and I need you. The creator of the universe. I mean, this is the whole message of Christmas, is it not? That the creator of the universe took on human form. Of course, we know that it didn't happen on the 25th of December. But the fact that the creator of the universe took on human form and didn't come to be served, but to serve. This is Him. And that He came to this earth taking on human form to ultimately bear the punishment of our sins upon Himself and to go to the cross. And by doing so, reconciling you and I to the Father. That's what Christmas is about. That He was born to die. Born to carry our cross to Calvary. And now, Matthew is writing to first century Jewish Christians, is he not? That's who his audience is. And they had a tendency to worry. Did they not? I mean, if this is not new, well, it's not new because it it dates back even to this time and even before that. People had to survive. People were, I mean, you were dealing with poverty at that time. People weren't affluent. I mean, yeah, of course you had people that were affluent, but overall there was a lot more poverty than there is today. Or at least that we experience around us. So sometimes we we tend to miss that point. And the basic things of life were uncertain for them. Eating, drinking, clothing. Where am I going to get these things from? Who's going to provide them? And so now worry starts to set in. And that is when we look at point number two and we're reminded that anxiety is overcome by looking beyond the temporal. We have to look beyond the temporal, which is verse 25b. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Yes, I'm not here to give you another New Year's resolution and like everybody, and I'm sure there's going to be countless sermons on New Year's resolutions. It's not what I'm here. The point here, you want a resolution. Stop looking to the temporal and start looking beyond. Now, the question is, looking beyond to what? Looking beyond to what? Hopefully we look at this here and we'll come to that. They're worried. He's assuming that. Matthew's assuming that they're worried. Jesus knows that they're worried about the basic things in life. Let me give you a story here that many of you are familiar with. You know the story of Martha and Mary? What was the story about Martha and Mary? Here Jesus comes to this village, right? And Luke, he comes to this village. He's there teaching. Martha is doing what? She's complaining. Mary, she's quiet. She's, she's worry-free. She's, teaching, she's listening to Jesus. She has no, no worries. And this is what it says. As she's there sitting, Martha herself was anxious. And not because I say it, because the scripture says it. She had an anxious heart. Because the Lord answers her in this way. He says, but the Lord answered her. In Luke 10.41. But the Lord answered her. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Which will not be taken away from her. By Mary choosing to sit at the feet of Christ Himself. Christ says she has chosen the good portion. Christ is saying she's going to be listening to truth. Truth coming from truth, right? 
Truth speaking truth. Jesus, the, the embodiment of truth, speaking that which is true. And Mary's choosing to listen to that. While Martha's doing what? She's worrying. She's complaining. She's worried about the horizontal. And Mary's worried about the what? The vertical. That's the difference. And 20 centuries later, you and I are no different. You are absolutely nothing. I can't even say, you know what? I'm a little bit better than, than Martha. I'm not. People come over. And all of a sudden you find yourself more frustrated trying to get the house ready, forgetting that you get to host and bring people in for fellowship. But the things around consume you. Like, why are we doing this? And, and again, I'm sure many of you have done it, have gone through that. It happens. But the whole point is that we forget because we start looking at a horizontal level. We start living on the horizontal plane, if it were, if, if I may express it that way. And Jesus is redefining what life really is, isn't He? Through that question, you and I need to ask ourselves every time, when we become consumed by worry, is not life more than blank? Is not life more than blank? Fill in that blank. Is not life more than a college application? Is not life more than this next test? Or this next game? Because beloved, all those things will pass. Every single one of those events. That college application, the next job promotion, it's going to be an afterthought in light of the big picture, which is eternity. That is what we need to remind ourselves. Is not life more than blank and the body more than blank? People working and, and give themselves to have this, oh, could I take care of the temple? And, live, and then collapse randomly and you would think this person I mean this person was so fit I mean they were in such great shape now of course maybe you might say yeah but that's a very small percentage fair enough but you the point is that you might go ahead and go out of your way to do whatever it is and you find yourself that that wasn't even enough you can give your entire life to work to something towards something towards something and then you find out for what here I am. Gave my all to become, to get a bachelor's degree in psychology. And I don't even work in that. My job has nothing to do with that. Here I am, preaching from a pulpit. I mean, this is what life is. And yet, here I was, how many times was I sitting there in a the library, studying away, trying to get the, the, the top score? And I have... Nothing to show that that has any psychological value. Other than I'm a sinner, saved by grace. How is that for psychology? That's, and, and, and that's what Jesus is trying, is not life more than. And then he tells us, Jesus in essence is telling you and I to look beyond the temporal. And that is where we begin to find our solution. At least the first part of it. Looking beyond into, the etern into eternity. Stop living on the horizontal plane and start looking at the vertical plane. And when I say start looking at the vertical plane, I'm not telling you read your Bible more. I am not telling you you need to pray more. 
Because that is exactly how us in the West typically, right, do. Why are you going through this? You're anxious. Well, are you reading your Bible? No. Well, are you praying? No. Are you fellowshipping? No. Well, that's your, that's your problem. Start doing those things. Do you not think that the person, if he had the chance that he know those things, would already started doing those? Because your issue is not that. Their issue is that they've forgotten the big picture view. They have forgotten Christ and His truth. And that is where we need to come back to. But if you don't know, most of you, I mean, some of you know, ladies driving a car, right? If you let go of the steering wheel, the car is supposed to do what? It's supposed to go straight. If the car starts going to the left or to the right, that's not good. Okay? If you let go of the steering wheel. Now, of course, maybe uh, that's assuming that you're, you're driving on a flat surface, of course. But if the car starts going one way or the other, that means that you need to get your car aligned. That's what it means. That means that your car, your, perhaps your tires are not balanced. Something is causing your car to go in one way. And, you need, and the alignment is meant to go ahead and get your car back on track so that it could always go in a straight line. And that is, spiritually speaking, what we need to do. We need to be spiritually aligned in those moments of anxiety, in those moments of worry, because our worry, our external things, are pulling us this way, are pulling us that way. And when we go back to the Gospel and to Scripture, then is when we begin to say, okay, this is the course I need to be on. Consider John 14, verse 1-3. through 3. Jesus writes, or Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, Jesus, have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you also may be. See what Jesus has just done? He says, why are you letting your heart be troubled? Believe in God. Believe also in me. Remember that you can take my words to the bank. Remember that you can count on 100% confidence that I am not going to deceive you. I am not going to lie to you. I am not going to go ahead and tell you that there's a better place for you and now go prepare it. I am going there. I told you I was and I will come back. But you have to look beyond. You have to look beyond. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writing to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us. This light momentary affliction is preparing you and me for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. You see what, he, what Paul just did? Guys, stop looking at the horizontal plane. Stop looking to your left and to your right and then being drowned by these circumstances. Look beyond. Look to the hope that you have that one day you will be with Him. And this circumstance that you're dealing with that is simply drowning you in worry will one day be no more. But this situation is preparing you for that day. This anxiety that you're going through is preparing you for that day. But what does keeping our eyes on the vertical plane look like? 
Is it just repeating to ourselves these same things as some type of mantra? Is that what it means to live our life on the vertical plane? Is it just, oh, this is temporary, this is temporary, this is temporary, oh, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And maybe if I repeat it long enough, maybe I'll convince myself. Is that what we're talking about? I don't think that's what we're looking at. This is not a mantra, this is not... Now, of course, you can repeat scripture to your soul over and over again, of course. But anxiety is overcome by fixing our hearts and our minds on the character of our Heavenly Father. Jesus points His listeners to two examples. He uses the birds and the lilies of the field. Something that you and I would never use as an example. Ever. And Jesus uses those very two things. Now, if you're like me, you can immediately start looking at the birds and the lilies and you want to look at their characteristics. Well, why did He use these two, these two uh, created things, right? These birds of the air and these lilies. What characteristics do they have that I can relate to? But beloved, if you do that, you miss the point. Because the point wasn't about the birds. The point was not about the lilies. The point was something far greater. He is pointing to the character of our Heavenly Father through the examples of the birds and the lilies. He is pointing to two realities. Our Heavenly Father's omniscience and His providence. God knows and He also provides for what He knows you need. That is exactly where He's going at with this. So, you might be worried about, oh, what's, gonna ne- what's the next year going to come? Well, what, what are we going to learn? What, I mean, what's going to happen? We don't know. Are we going to get the house that we're finally looking, looking to get? Are we finally going to be able to buy a home? Are we maybe, I know some of you have been visiting, and maybe perhaps even, I know this itself, coming to a new church family and, and finding yourself can be anxious in of itself. What's going to happen next year? God knows. He knows, and He's going to provide. And that is exactly. Consider Elihu. Elihu in Job 37, right? He actually calls out Job and his friends. Does he not? And he says to them, in Job 37, verse 16, Do you know the balancings of the clouds? The wondrous works of Him who is perfect in knowledge? This is, he's speaking of God. He's saying, do you yourself know the wondrous works of Him who is perfect in knowledge? The one that's so perfect, the one that doesn't need anything from anyone. Does He owe anything to anyone that anyone should repay Him? This is our Heavenly Father. And John 1, 3, 19 and 20, it says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. He knows everything. He even knows what you're thinking right now. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows when those hairs fall. What is there that you can keep in hiding from Him? Matthew 12, 25. We just heard it this morning. We just had it read. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, He said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. 
Even Jesus knew the heart of the Pharisees. He knew that. In Mark 12, 12, 15. But knowing their hypocrisy, same word, knowing their hypocrisy, He said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. Jesus knew exactly what was in their heart. And then you look at David in Psalm 139. And what is he saying? That famous psalm that many of us are familiar with. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. That knowledge is an intimate knowledge that he's referring to. It's not just a superficial knowledge that God knows about David. That he just exists. No, he knows David. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thought from afar. David is praying this. He is saying this. Lord, you know me. To the point that even when I rise or when I sit, am I going out, am I coming forth? You know. Where can I hide? Where can I go? You know how the rest of that psalm goes. Even if I go to the pit of hell, you are there. I can't escape you. Wayne Grudem defines God's knowledge as follows. He says, God knowing everything is one simple act. The word simple is used in the sense, not divided into parts, which means that God is always fully aware of everything. He's fully aware of everything all the time. And he goes on to say this, he says, If he should wish to tell us the number of grains of sand on the seashore, of the number of the stars in the sky, he will not have to count them all quickly, like some kind of giant computer. God doesn't need to do that. Nor would he have to call the number to mind because it was something he had not thought about for a time. That is not the way God operates. Rather, he, he always knows all things at once. This is the mind of God and that He knows us. And Jesus does not only draw us to the attention, the reality that our Heavenly Father knows what we need, but also to the fact that our Heavenly Father feeds the birds of the air. And by the way, notice the distinction in the way God refers to the birds and the lilies. God provides for the birds, right? God clothes the lilies. But your Heavenly Father He's not the heavenly father of the birds. He is not the heavenly father of the lilies. But he is your heavenly father and my heavenly father. That is a very interesting distinction that we need to make. This is why we get to actually point to the reality of God's character as our heavenly father. One of the amazing things I get to teach my kids is understanding you can pray God. God, thank you for this day. And there's something very different when you say, Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Not just as some God that's out there, outside of space and time, but one that knows me and knows exactly what I'm going through. Thank you. Because you provided. And that is the second point. The birds are the signposts for you and for me. The signpost that says, God provides the birds have no clue the lilies have no clue but you and I do you and I know when you have 
when the Lord has provided for you in ways that cannot be explained in, on any other term, but only by God. You know what that's like. When you can simply look back and say, wow, that was you. That had nothing to do with somebody else. And sometimes the Lord uses somebody else, somebody's aware of our situation. But when you know that, I did not mention this to anyone. And the Lord answered my prayer in ways that only God can. That just immediately floors me. It humbles me like you have no idea. Because of this God who knows me. And that is our Heavenly Father. You and I have a Heavenly Father that knows what we need but also provides what we need. He doesn't sit idle nor is He perplexed by your need. He is not scratching His head wondering, what am I going to do with Daniel's situation here? Or Osborne's. Or Freddy's for that matter. He's not left scratching His head. And by the way, beloved, nor is He burdened by what we need. He is not burdened one single bit by your request. This is why Paul can say, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your prayer requests known to God. With thanksgiving, in prayer, and in supplication. Because He's not burdened by what you and I need. He knows and He provides what we need. Not what you want. You may want to get into that school. You may want to get that next job promotion. You may want to get into that job or that employment but he doesn't provide for that but is it that he doesn't love you no because he's simply providing for what you need not for what you want and sometimes we need to and we need to not sometimes all the time remember that God's provision is directly linked to his omniscience beloved pay attention here his provision is directly linked to his omniscience because He knows, and according to what He knows, that's how He provides. Not according to what you and I think we know. He provides, as our Heavenly Father, according to His omniscience, what you and I need. And we oftentimes, unfortunately, act like these two things are mutually exclusive. And they're not. If He knows... He'll provide according to what He knows. Period. I mentioned the supply, chain, the supply chain shortages earlier. This is exactly where we live. With you as a child, did you worry about supply chain, uh, supply chain shortages? Did you? Did you ever wonder where your toilet paper was going to come from? We were here panicking last year, right? Or I don't know, wherever that was. Oh, go buy toilet paper. Everyone going, hey, I got some toilet paper. Mom, Dad, did you get toilet paper? I have an extra pack. Because sometimes people decided that all of a sudden buying toilet paper was what we needed to do. And people freaking out over toilet paper. People selling toilet paper out of the trunk of their car. But as children, did you ever wonder when you were at home, Where's my next roll of toilet paper going to come from? Never. Ever. The Lord provides. 
The Lord provides for His own because He is our Heavenly Father. And the next time we're going to gather, beloved, and I'll conclude with this, the next time we're going to gather is going to be in 2022. It'll be a brand new year. The next time we gather in this place. And as you look to the coming year, we need to remember that our Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, has promised. He has promised. He is faithful to His children. 100% faithful. Though you may think otherwise, I guarantee you He's not. Because He can't deny Himself. He is tied. It, it's His nature to be who He is. He can't be anything other than who He is. And because He promised to never leave us, nor forsake us. I know, sometimes we feel that He has. Sometimes we ask ourselves, where are you? Have you not heard my prayer? Are you not aware of what I'm going through? I get that. But I guarantee you, He is aware. And He knows. The problem is not with God. The problem is with us. We're on the horizontal plane and we need to recalibrate and look to the vertical plane. Because He's there. And so we need, the answer to our anxiety is threefold. Look beyond the temporal, beloved. Look beyond the temporal into eternity. Consider remembering that vertical relationship with your Father in Christ. And thirdly, dwelling on His character. On the character of your Heavenly Father. That is when you are dealing with anxiety and the thoughts are just there. Go back to the truth. Go back to that which anchors your soul in the gospel. That is what the anchor is for. If you're going to be moved, being tossed to and fro, then what good is the anchor? That means that the anchor hasn't, hasn't sunk bottom, right? The anchor, the anchor is no longer holding you. But when you anchor, you become immovable in your spirit. That no matter what the circumstances are, like Jesus in the garden, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. But yours, let your will be done, not mine. Immediately in that moment, let this cup pass from me, he reminds himself, but it's not about my, my will, it's about yours. Which is why the writer of Hebrews can tell us, <clears throat> for the joy set before him, and that joy set before him was beyond the cross. The joy for Christ was this. The joy for Christ is His children, those that He redeemed by His blood. This is the joy that He endured the cross for. To have a bride for Himself. A church that one day will be seated at the banquet, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But for us to make it to that table, he had to go to the cross. There was no way around it. And that is where we need to remember as children. This is where we need to live. Yes, there's a reality. For you, for us as, as believers, we get that. And we need to be reminded. But here's the problem. Why do I need to believe in... See, the, 
you don't, if you're not in Christ, He's not your Heavenly Father. And if He's not your Heavenly Father, then what is He? For you, He may be this God of wrath. This God that's just simply waiting there for you to slip and to come cracking the whip on you. Because you view Him as this God of wrath. And rightly so, because He is a God of wrath. 100% a God of wrath. But when you understand that that wrath was poured out on His Son, when you understand that that wrath was laid upon Him, His only begotten Son, so that you and I who knew no sin, Jesus who knew no sin, became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, that's when it all makes sense. Don't forget that second part. He is a God of wrath. But that God of wrath poured out, poured it all out on His only begotten Son. That is mercy. That is grace. And so my encouragement to you is that if you're not in Christ, if to you God is just simply someone that I always heard about in my home, but He doesn't mean anything to me, I just think He's actually out to get me, then I pray that you would come to understand today that that is not at all the case. That He actually went beyond and He went out to get His own Son for you and for me. So that today you can have a hope that whoever believes in, whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life in Him. Amen. Amen. It was... I see it here in my notes, I'll say it. Augustine, the famous bishop, Augustine says, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find their rest in you. Amen.